Praise the Lord, everybody. Turn to your neighbor and shake their hand and say, we're having a great time. My, it just seemed like we just got started. <clears throat> and here we are on the last night service. And I'm telling you what a tremendous time we've had. I am so honored. And uh, I'm not trying to weary you with me saying that, but that's exactly how I feel. I'm very honored to be here, uh, to be invited also to be able to uh, be on the same docket as my dear friend, Brother Howard. Love and appreciate him very, very much. And this good man of God has taught the Word of God and preached the Word of God so wonderfully this week and uh, has fed my soul. And because preachers need to be preached to also. And certainly appreciate every good Word of God that has been delivered. Appreciate this committee and uh, many of them I briefly knew, but after this week I have known them better and the more I know them, the more I love them and respect them and honor them in the sake of the gospel and uh, appreciate them very, very much. And uh, I just hope this thing keeps going on until Jesus comes. After Jesus comes, we don't care what happens. <laughs> Praise God. I thought about one time putting on the marquee sign of our church and in case of rapture for our Baptist friends, the front door keys under the mat. But I decided I wouldn't do that. <clears throat> so we don't really care what happens after the Lord comes. We're just getting ready for the Lord's coming. And I believe it's soon. And I want to be ready to meet him and hear him say, well done. And he won't say, well done, if we have not done well. Amen. Thank you for everything, all of the wonderful kind remarks, the wonderful food that we've been fed, the fellowship and the room and the basket. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, some of that stuff in that basket, uh, I'm glad there wasn't a whole lot more of it because I would have just, I'd have made myself sick on it. I don't know what this stuff is. They have, it's like a Heath bar that has chocolate on the top of it. Lord have mercy. A person get hurt, you had a lot of that stuff. And uh, my wife uh, has been buying some every night because we ran out the first night we were there. And uh, we just couldn't leave well enough alone. And then uh, the elder brother Kendrick today gave us some stuff. And I'm telling you what, I'm glad it was the last day I could have got sick on eating all them cinnamon rolls and those cookies that his wife made. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, praise God. I'll tell it all right. If I had a box more of them, I'd stay another week. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. All these lights here, I feel like a deer in the headlights. But it's good to be here. And I know you're ready for the preaching of the Word of God. And uh, time is running on. And I enjoyed that good choir singing. And uh, just kind of hoping, you know, just run right along. And uh, that way we could uh, all be happy and not be worn out tonight. But I do have something that the Lord has laid on my heart. I don't know how long it will take for me to deliver it. I don't intend to be lengthy. And uh, <clears throat> that really doesn't mean anything. 
But uh, I will preach until I get it off of me and until I get it in your heart, and hopefully that will be soon. And uh, we can end this camp meeting saying that surely the Lord was good to us all. I think if we quit right now, we could say that. The Lord has been good to us all. Actually, the Lord had spoken this to me uh, late last night. And uh, when I came in this morning and Elder Howard was reading out of 1 Samuel, the 14th chapter, I thought, oh boy. But I'm going to read from it anyhow and uh, preach from 1 Samuel, chapter 14. Last time I checked, it was in the Old Testament. Still there. Praise God. 1 Samuel chapter 14, and I want to read verses 12 through 14 and then skip to verse 23 and read a little more and uh, see if the Lord won't help us tonight. Praise the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Amen. God bless all of our ministering brethren, so many of you that are not on the committee or friends, and we've been able to fellowship over in the uh, hospitality room and I have enjoyed every minute of it and uh, every night it always falls my lot I'm the last person one of the last people to always leave I just love fellowship someone said I hate to tie you up I'm the one supplying the rope so uh, I remember many years ago my wife and I have always when I, I was assisting for a number of years, we always had to stay around, shut the lights off, flush the commodes, lock the doors, roll the chain, do all the things, you know, that's supposed to be, that assistants do. And uh, I guess that kind of gets in your blood. Even after pastoring almost 22 years, you still hang around and do those kind of things. And uh, one year, I, I can remember what year it was, but uh, my wife and I was, when uh, at Fresno went was PSR, and uh, I got to shaking hands, talking. I looked up, and at all, I don't know how many people were there. And my wife and I and the couple we were talking to was the only ones in the building. And so uh, I just love good men of God. I love good saints of God. I just love fellowship that strengthens me. I don't want to hear all the negative stuff. Don't tell me all that stuff. I don't want to hear it. Tell me about your revival, and I'll shout with you. You got a trial, I'll cry with you, but you can call me and I'll shout with you when the victory comes. I'm not preaching right now, but I guess I am. (laughs) I remember whenever we first went to our little fair town and was digging out and fighting devils. And I had a lot of people that called me almost every Sunday night or Monday morning want to know how I was faring. And I'd tell them, you know, I went through this battle. But when we finally broke through and and, uh, they called and said, well, we had 12 get the Holy Ghost tonight. Long pause on the other end. They stopped calling. And I found out real soon, there's a lot of people that will cry with you, but not many people will rejoice with you. And I love finding people that will rejoice with me. And I love rejoicing with people that have great reports. I don't know, a few days ago, Brother Kendrick, he texted me and told me they'd broke their record. And my, that made me so happy. I said, keep it up. Do it again. Praise God. Amen. I want him to be the biggest church in his town. Praise God. Just pray him through. Make the devil mad. Make God glad. Shout the victory. 
1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 12. And I guess the clock starts now. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about twenty men, within, as it were, a half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. Verse 23, So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto beth And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on my enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. And they all, uh, and all they of the land came to the wood, and there was honey upon the ground. And when the people were coming to the wood, behold, the honey dropped, but no man put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan heard not when his father charged the people with the oath. Wherefore he put the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it into an honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes were enlightened. Then answered one of the people and said, Thy father straightly charged the people with an oath saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food this day. And the people were faint. Then said Jonathan, My father had troubled the land. See, I pray you, how my eyes have been enlightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much more, if haply the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found? For have they not been now much a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? So tonight I want to just talk to you a little while on this subject. Incremental Victory. Incremental victory. Would you lift your hands and let's ask God to speak his good word to our heart tonight. Would you help me pray? Jesus, we are grateful for this wonderful conclave of believers. Thank you for the sweet spirit of God that we have already enjoyed and felt and been blessed by. I pray God that you'd anoint this congregation and anoint your word again. Anoint my mind that I may think your thoughts and loose my tongue that I may speak your word. Anoint the ears and the hearts of the hearers that the word of God can be delivered and find its meeting place. In the name of Jesus, we bind every foul spirit that would hinder the work of God and the word of the Lord. We stand upon the authority of your word and we worship you tonight because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To you be the glory for all things. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Now would you lift your hands and your voice again and just worship the Lord. Create the atmosphere of hunger in your heart to receive the good word of God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. How about giving the Lord another hand clap tonight and shouting unto God with a voice of triumph? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You've never really worshiped until you open your mouth and say something. Hallelujah. 
I bless your holy name. I bless your holy name. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Perhaps I may need to qualify that just a bit. I clap my hands because my voice is not loud or expressive enough. And I can't get that way, so I will leap for joy. The Bible talks about our worship being the calves of our lips. You can clap your hands and not have your heart in it. And you can leap for joy and your mind be somewhere else. But you have to think about what you're saying. That's why when you worship the Lord and you lift up with a loud voice, saying, Hallelujah, praise God. I love you, Jesus. You can feel something whenever you open your mouth and begin to give God praise from your soul. Praise God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I don't have the time and will not take the time to go back and rehearse all that we heard uh, this morning and this afternoon concerning this great battle when uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, went up to the camp of the Philistines and uh, won a great victory. There are some things that I want to remind you of and to point back out and underscore in your mind tonight is that there was only two young men, Jonathan, who was not the king of Israel and his armor bearer, and they only had one of the two swords that was found in the camp of Israel. And uh, so the odds were stacked against them. It really looked like that there was not a whole lot of hope. The men of Israel were afraid. They were hiding in the holes in the caves of the ground. But yet there was a young man that had faith in his heart and another young man that would stand beside him. Isn't it good to have good fellowship? Because if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. And with that kind of math, three can put a hundred thousand to flight and on and on it goes. So there ought to be enough believers here tonight to put every devil in the universe outside of this tabernacle. And everybody get what you need from God and take it home with you and share it with your neighbors and your friends. Praise God. But the Bible said that as they began to fight and they began to struggle uh, and climb up there that, that uh, Jonathan would knock him down and then the, the armor bearer would slay them after him is what the Bible said. And they won a great victory that day on a small parcel of ground. Only about a half an acre, not very much. Matter of fact, it said it was about the size of a plot of ground that uh, a yoke of oxen could plow. And there was only 20 men that they slew. Of course, that was the beginning of a much greater victory uh, that, would, uh, that would be the beginning of many battles and many victories until finally they would eradicate the Philistines uh, many, many tens of years later and dozens of years later in the history of Israel. But something had to start somewhere. And so this is what happened. There was somebody that made up in their mind, I'm not going to wait until tomorrow. And I'm not going to wait until everybody gets ready. But I'm going to do something about this. And I'm going to do it now. And I realized that if I've got my faith in God, that God's going to take care of me. And so this young man, Jonathan and his friend, climb up on all fours, go up and begin to smite the enemy. And you would think as uh, you begin to look at the tolls of war and the stories of battle, uh, a half acre is not very much. And uh, 20 men is not very much when you think about hundreds of people, but it was a good start. Everybody say it was a good start. Praise God. My son majored in history when he went to, to college and, and he told me about a battle that was fought, one of the first skirmishes of the Revolutionary War not far from where we lived. 
in a town right outside of the town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in Gallipolis, Ohio. And uh, when they were there, the, uh, the Shawnee Indians came. There was a great slaughter of colonists and also Indians. And when it really came down to the facts and the figures, there were more colonists that died than Indians. But the colonists were declared the winners. And the reason they were declared the winners is because the winner was not the one who lost the least. But when the battle was over, who was left holding the ground? And so in this last hour, I don't know what you're going to think about it, but thank God the church is still holding its ground. There is still a one God, Jesus name, apostolic, Holy Ghost, holding this church that's alive and well in the earth. We may not be as big as we want to be, but bless your heart, we're still holding the ground. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, it was good to hear the elder make those statements tonight. I heard them as I was a boy. I repeat them now and preach them in my generation. And now I look at another group of young people that I trust will take it to your generation. That we will never compromise this one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost, holiness, truth. Because it's more than a denomination. And it's more than a religion. It's an experience. It's a conviction. It's a heartfelt and God-given commitment that we made to God, to His Word, and to His cause. Praise God. Incremental is something added or gained in an addition or an increase. According to the def definition in the dictionary, it is a profit or a gain. It is the act or process of increasing a process of growth. An amount by which something increases or grows by a series of regular additions. Now, I don't know how many of you are still in school and perhaps maybe on your way to college or in college. But uh, the, uh, the educational process is very incremental. I remember whenever they dropped me off to go to school in the first grade. Uh, I knew I had several things that I had to teach the teacher before I was able to leave. Not really. I had a lot of things to learn myself. <laughs> Praise God. Did I lose you there? Einstein is not preaching tonight, okay? But I, uh, I went there and, and, uh, and some of the first uh, elements of education they began to teach me was one plus one. And that is so elementary to all of us. Two plus two is four. Four plus four is eight. And then they began to teach us our ABCs. Boy, this is really deep, isn't it? But you know what? If you can learn the, uh, the principles and the foundation of two plus two, then you can add two million plus two million. Or 463,212 plus 146,308. And you can come up with the right equation every time and not even have to have an answering machine. But it all started back with one plus one and two plus two. When they gave you your readers, whether it was the McGuffey reader or some of the rest of them, some of you remember some of those times, and I don't remember a lot. As older I get, I don't have too much to remember. I've double-spaced my mind too many times. But they used to, we used to read these readers, and they'd say, See the dog. The dog runs fast. And we would learn to read these little small three- and four-word sentences with three or four-lettered uh, uh, words until... 
uh, we got to the second grade and the third grade and till now we can uh, properly pronounce the names of all of those that were born in the Old Testament. Most of us or some of us or some of you. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to preach in just a little while. Just give me a little minute to catch my breath. So we can learn all of this and we can, uh, we, we can learn the big words. Like somebody told somebody the other day, I said, don't mess with me. I know judo, karate, and three other Japanese words. So as you get older in life, you begin to learn things and you begin to put these syllables together. But it is, it is an incremental learning system. And you don't get to the second grade until you pass the first grade. And then you don't get to the third grade until you pass the second and on and on. You will not be uh, into college and do successful if you have not completed 12 years of schooling. And then you go into uh, college and you got to pass that level. And then finally you get your associate's degree, your bachelor's degree, your master's degree. And then on into the doctor's degree for those that are going to make lots of money. But it is an incremental situation. And uh, so we understand tonight that in life, whatever we do, that it is a building block. It is one step to another step. It is one day to the next. And I would like to preach to this young people and all those that are in this crowd tonight. That in our walk with God, that if we are not careful, we become frustrated and discouraged and we begin to think that because we didn't get all the victory that we wanted in one day, that we are failures and that we cannot make it and that God doesn't love us. I have come tonight to call the devil a liar. And I've got a simple little thought tonight to preach to you. And I hope that by the time we get through that God can turn the light on in your heart and you can go home to your respective churches and let the devil know he's a liar and that I got something from this camp and I'm not going to be the same young person that I've been all these years. I'm not going to be the same saint that I've been all these years. But I am going to win the victory and I'm going to be a right hand man for my pastor. And I'm going to hold the hands of my elders up. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Praise God. Marathon runners don't run 21 miles the first day they start. They work it up incrementally. I remember when I was young and I decided that I was going to do on a, we, we were doing a, a 20 kilometers for She's for Christ. And uh, as a young person, we used to call it cheese for mice. But we used to, and I decided I got married and I was over the youth group and I decided that if I was going to raise some money, I had to do something really, really uh, spectacular. And so I decided another young man and I challenged one another and we decided we was going to run the entire 20 kilometers, about 12.4 miles. And I, like I'm saying, that was when I was young and didn't have a lot of sense. Haven't really graduated much since then, but, but at least I thought I could do that. And I start, I, I started taking pledges and sure enough, boy, I got all kind of pledges and, uh, and he got all kind of pledges. And so we we're going to run that together around White Rock Lake in Dallas and, uh, in the summertime. And that was crazy too. But we'd get up, I'd get up in the morning and, and I'd, I'd run. I remember the first day that I tried that, I made it about, about three quarters of a mile to a mile and my side would hurt and, 
And I'd go back home and say, well, tomorrow i got to do more. And I began to work myself up. And I'm not going to tell you tonight in front of all of this congregation that I made all 12 point plus miles without stopping and taking a break. But I did run that entire, that entire uh, 12 miles, stopping, breathing, running some more, and I was able to raise some money for missions. But I didn't learn to do that on the first day that I got up. But I had to build myself up to it. I'm going somewhere with this tonight. You see, a half an acre is not a whole lot of ground. But it is a good start. 20 Philistines is not a whole garrison. But it does make an impression. And so, in this camp this week, you may not have felt like you've climbed the highest mountain peak. And that you have gained the furthest of ground. But if you gained any ground, then thank God. If you got renewed in the Holy Ghost, thank God. If God touched your sick body, then thank God. If you're going home with more vision, then thank God. Well, glory to God. Look over at your neighbor and said the victory comes in small steps. Maybe seated. Praise God. Be who you are and say what you feel because people who don't, who mind don't matter and people who matter don't mind. <laughs> Praise God. I read this too and I'm going on and I'm hurrying to uh, engender a lasting spiritual growth. Strive for progress rather than perfection. The Japanese call it Kaizen, which means small incremental improvement on a daily basis. One CEO was asked how they achieved a thousand percent production increase in one year. He answered, there is no single area where we improved one thousand percent, but we found one thousand ways to improve one percent. Praise God. So you've come to camp this week and maybe you have uh, had some problems in life. But if God has addressed one area in your life, then go ahead and uh, write it down. Go ahead. Throw your head up in the air. Praise God because God is still working on you and you're going somewhere for the kingdom of God. I am preaching to people tonight that the devil has discouraged you because you have failed the course from time to time. You have fallen flat of your face and the devil tells you that you're a failure and that you've got all these problems. But I've got news for the devil. You're still here. You could be out there smoking tonight, but you're in church. You could be out there dancing and talking, but you're in church. You could be in jail tonight, but you're in church. Well, glory to God. I'm starting to get a whine in the spirit here. I, I feel like preaching just a little while. Praise God. I'd just like to spit in both the devil's eyes tonight and let him know that greater is he that's in me than he that's of the world. Rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. It ain't over till it's over. I've known so many people that were quitters. You may be seated. And I remember one time I had a man that backslid. He's back in church now, thank God. 
but it took a long time to work a lot of this out of him. And he would make the statement. He said, well, he said, uh, uh, he said, you just don't understand. And uh, when I got to thinking about that, after he walked out of the office, I grabbed my pen and I began to write. So would you give me a moment to read my own writing? Some people in trying to explain why they don't live for God and live right often say, you just don't understand. I guess I don't understand. I don't understand how anyone by selfishness and greed can keep spitting on God and walking on his blood. I don't understand why anyone would trade God's heaven for a devil's hell. No, I guess I don't understand. I don't understand why anyone would rather practice perversion and be a pervert than to enjoy a pure lifestyle and be respected. No, I guess I don't understand. I don't understand why anyone would rather wrestle with guilt every night than to be able to live in rest and continual peace. No, I guess I don't understand. Hallelujah. I don't understand why anyone would rather hang around with people who would lie to you and about you, cheat you, lead violent, illegal lives, who act, talk, and live immoral, instead of hanging around with people who want to live right, talk right, tell the truth, even when it hurts, and be role models for children. No, I guess I don't understand. I don't understand why anyone would rather violate the laws of God and reap devastation instead of being obedient and enjoying God's richest blessings. No, I guess I don't understand. Either a person is willingly ignorant of these truths or they have become reprobate concerning the truth. And uh, life is made up of choices to be made. People who live for God and enjoy the blessings of God on their lives, they pass it on to their children, have made the choice to live that way and to live right. A person will be saved or lost basically because they made that choice and that I do understand. I made up my mind a long time ago that if my friend leaves me standing high and dry, I'm going to stand for Jesus and let the world go by. If my family walks off from truth, I'm still going to stand for Jesus and let the world go by. If people in the church backslide and go out on God, I'm still going to be faithful because my mind is made up. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do we have any made up minds tonight? How about it, young people? Hey man, if your good friend walks away from God, you need to make up your mind. I'm staying with the preacher. I'm staying with the church. If your parents walk out on God, you need to make up your mind. I'm staying with the truth. I'm staying with God. I'm not going anywhere. And then the scripture was given to me when I was praying sometime after that. Mark chapter 10 verse 28 through 30. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that have left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospel's sake. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time... Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, and children in lands with persecutions in the world to come, eternal life. Brother, that's a win-win proposition. 
Brother, whenever I lose serving, serving the kingdom of God, God's going to give it back to me. If I lose my family, God's going to give me family to replace my family. If I lose a brother, he's going to give me a hundred brothers. If I lose a sister, he'll give me a hundred sisters. Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm preaching like I'm at home tonight. Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm telling you, if you lose your job, God will give you another job. Come on, make the right choice. Don't you take a job that's going to take you out of the house of God and keep you from being faithful in attendance. You make up your mind, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to put God first and I promise you that whatever you lose for God, He'll give it back to you. Press down, shaken together. Now I'm off on a tangent here, but give me just a moment. There was a man in our church, and of course in our part of the world, it has very high unemployment. Somebody asked about the recession. I said, we've had 10% unemployment for the majority of the 22 years that I've been in that part of the world. So it's, it's now catching up with the rest of America. Praise God. We're feeling good about that. About, now, we're, now we're average. But anyway, I told them, I told our people at home, I said, if you come up and you ask me about a job, and jobs are hard to come by. And I said, you ask me about a job and you have to miss Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Tuesday night Bible study. It's not the will of God. Don't even waste the time to come and ask. Now, I'm not trying to usurp any pastoral authority here tonight. But I'm telling you that if the devil can get you to miss Tuesday night Bible study or Wednesday night Bible study, it'll be Sunday morning next time. And then six months down the road, it'll be Sunday night. And you'll be outside the church wondering how in God's name you got there. One of my good Hispanic men, Brother Orlando, came to me and said, Pastor, he said, you know, I need a job. And they've offered me a job. And he said, it's third shift. And he said, I won't be able to come to Bible study uh, in the middle of the week. And he said, and I'll have to leave early on Sunday night. But he said, it's a good job. They pay well. I said, Brother Orlando, do you have to miss church? Well, Pastor, he said, I gotta miss, uh, I've got to miss Tuesday night Bible study. We'd have it Wednesday then. You've got to miss Wednesday night Bible study. I said, Brother Orlando. Do you have to miss church? You know, because sometimes you have to make it plain. And he said, yes, sir, I will. I said, what do you think God thinks about that? He said, pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, I already told him I'd take the job. I said, you call them back and you tell them that you'll be willing to work anytime, but you've got to have your Bible study night and your Sundays off. He said, what if they say no? I said, then God has something better for you. I'm, I'm pulling a plow right now. But if I can put this in young people and get this principle in them, then the world won't be pulling them out for a dollar an hour. That was Sunday night. He got up on Monday morning, was going for an interview. I think it was at one o'clock that afternoon. He called that morning. He told him, he said, I won't be able to take the job. He said, so cancel the interview. And the lady that uh, had seen him before, an older lady, was very impressed with him, a very hard worker. And uh, she said, she said, sir, 
what's the reason? He said, I can't miss my church. And he said, I, and I, I won't be a good worker if I can't go to church. And she said, is that the only reason you don't want to work for us? He said, I would love to have the job. But he said, if I've got to miss church, and he said, that, that shift and those dates are just not going to work. She said, let me call you back. And by the time, by the time he got back home that afternoon, he, got, he returned the call. And they said, what about Monday through Friday, 6.30 to 3.30? With a dollar more an hour. What does that sound like? He said, I'll take the job. And he's still working it. Hallelujah. Brother, that's a victory. That's a victory. When you can look security in the face and say, I'll take Jesus every time. Oh, give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. You got to get the victory over your finances. You know that? Brother, money is not everything. God is the God of the cattle of a thousand hills and all the oil that's under the hills. And whatever you need, he can take care of you. Put him first. Somebody shout, put him first. There was a lady that walked up to my father some years ago. And I forgot the story and, and uh, going through and pillaging some through some of the artifacts. Was able to dig up a tape and he was telling this story. A lady in his church came up to him and, and I remember teaching the lady a Bible study. My wife and I got her in church in her family church. She's still serving God today some uh, 25 years later. And she walked up uh, and, and, and told dad, she said, uh, uh, pastor, she said, uh, I, you're going to see that there's $40 in my tithing envelope this week. And she said, uh, she said, I'm only making about $250 a week, but she said, I'm paying tithes on what I need to make. So she said, I put $40 in because that's what I need to make $400 a week. And he looked at her, Brother Howard, and with prophecy on his lips, he said, and God will give you exactly what you need. Just tell me when it comes to pass. Three weeks later, she's walking down the aisle out to church with a smile on her face. He said, Sister Penny, tell me what God did. She said, when I walked in after I put the ties on that week, she said, uh, the boss walked up to her and said, uh, I'm going to give you a promotion. And she said, I'm now making $420 a week. So she said, whenever you see the tithe envelope this next week, she said, I'm going to pay ties on what I want to make. <laughs> And he told her, and God will give that to you too. And he did. Boy, the devil's lying to somebody here tonight, making you think that you're just not doing anything for God. Because all you've done is conquered about a half acre of ground. But I tell you, a little bit is better than nothing. Twenty Philistines is better than no Philistines. Well, glory to God. Look over at your neighbor and said it's incremental victory. Praise God. My watch is my enemy, but I do feel like preaching here a little while tonight. Praise God. 
And before it's all over, I wouldn't mind dancing on the neck of the devil. I know for some of you theologians, that sounds pretty childish. But brother, I'm from the hills of a southern Ohio. And whenever I get a victory, I don't mind acting like a fool and letting the devil know I'm happy about what God's done for me. Someday you got to lay your pride down and let heaven know you're glad for every drop of blood, for every ounce of victory, and for every direction the Holy Ghost has allowed you to take. Woo! My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Jesus thank you Jesus you know what the problem is you know what the problem is you may be seated you know what the problem is is when we get just a little bit of victory there's an old Saul spirit that says well we ain't got enough victory right here I don't want nobody touching nothing and he ain't out there fighting he ain't out there shedding his blood he doesn't have any faith But he wants to put his finger on those who do get just a little bit. But I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost, there's honey on the ground tonight. And some of you have been fighting pure hell. And Saul says, don't touch it. Don't touch it. But the Holy Ghost says, get you a little bit of honey and let it light up your eyes and give you some strength so you can take some victory back home with you. Go ahead and get mad at me, but I'm going to shout some tonight. Go ahead and get mad at me if you want to. But if I feel like it, I'll roll in the floor. I'm going to talk in tongues. And I'm going to let the devil know I've got some victory. It may not be as much as I want, but I'm going to get some more. You know, that's what some of you need. You need a good over overdose of the Holy Ghost. You need a good refreshing of the Holy Ghost to shake some of that starch out of your collar. Some of you boys need to shout that shirt tail out of your pants. Some of you girls need to shout them hairpins out of your hair. I know, I know pride says, uh, what's he going to think? What's she going to think? Brother, if you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend that'll look down on you for worshiping God, you don't need them anyhow. What you need is somebody that knows how to live for God. Somebody that knows how to talk in tongues. Somebody that knows how to worship and give God the glory. That's the kind of mate you need. that'll take the lust out of your heart nothing like a good touch of the Holy Ghost that'll get rid of that depression nothing like a good touch of the Holy Ghost that'll put faith in your spirit nothing like a good touch of the Holy Ghost that'll put a shout in your feet and a praise on your lips and a desire to live for God all the days of your life
excuse me, but I'm just going to get me a little honey about right now. Woo! I'm going to get me a little honey about right now. Because I got another battle coming on. I got another devil I'm going to win over. I got another plow of ground I'm going to win. So give me some honey. Give me a renewing. Give me a touch of the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, get another drink. Go ahead, get another touch. Go ahead and feel him one more time. Praise your name. Praise your name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's starting to feel good around here, y'all. Excuse this little hillbilly here tonight. But my God, I feel like having some church up in here. Somebody's going to go home with more victory than you thought you was going to get. Call him the devil. He's a liar in Jesus' name. Still here. I still got a shout in my feet. I still got a praise on my lips. I'm still talking in tongues. I'm still living holy. I still love my preacher. I still love the church. God give me just a few more minutes we're not ready to quit just yet now you can stand up here and preach with me all you want to because I know how you feel I share your pain I know what it feels like standing because I've been standing longer than you have because when the great God of the universe got ready to create the world He could have done it in just a moment's time. But he didn't. He took six days. The first day, he created the light. The Bible said the evening and the morning was the first day and God saw it and said it was good. End of the first day. He said, we got a good bit done. Let's have a party. Second day, let's create some more. He could have created it all, but he didn't. He did it incrementally. When he got through the second day, he said, all right, time to rest. Time to have a party. Third day. Fourth day. Sun, moon, and stars. That's enough. Time to have a party. Fifth day. The whales and the sea creatures and the birds. And he said, that's enough. It's a good thing. Let's have a party. Now I'm throwing let's have a party in because that's the way I'm seeing it tonight. On the sixth day, he creates man. On the seventh day, he rests. He could have done it, brothers and sisters, in one day. But he was teaching us one thing. And that is our victories. Come one service after another. And one day after another. And the devil's telling some of you, because you're not perfect. And because you haven't crossed the grade yet. That you're nothing but a failure. I've come to tell you that hell is a lying devil.
want to be. But thank God, I'm not what I was. Some of you still have hang-ups tonight, but you used to be alcoholics, but now you're apostolics. Some of you used to smoke three packs a day. You were smokers. Now you're on fire. Some of you used to go dance in the clubs. Now you dance with Jesus on Sunday night. You still got your problems, but you're a lot further along the highway of holiness than you were 10 years ago, three months ago, two weeks ago. Bless God, have a party. Praise God. My God, I've already been preaching about 40 minutes and I'm just right in this right now. But I feel like preaching, brother, already. This old 53-year-old Ohio hillbilly feels like having some victory around here tonight. And I'm going to tell you that the angels look down upon what's happening here in Ventura, California. And the devil is a shaking and he's having a heart attack, if you will. Go ahead, explain it any way you want to. But I'd like to know that hell is nervous about what's happening in this camp meeting tonight. Because somebody is going to go home with a concept. And even though you're not everything you want to be, you're going to shove the victory you do have in the face of the devil and tell him he's a liar and that the blood has washed me and the blood has cleansed me and the Holy Ghost has empowered me. They want to have revival in church when you go home. Well, in the book of Luke chapter 15, the Bible tells three parables. And each one of them, the Bible said that, that the angels rejoice two times. The angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. Granted, he hasn't been baptized. He hasn't talked in tongues. He's only repented. But heaven knows it's a good start. You ain't hearing me. Some of you have been knocking doors and running buses and you don't really think nothing's going on. But brother, it's a whole lot better than when you didn't run any buses at all. You passed out a track and you think nothing's going on. You ain't seen the end of that yet. When the sinner, the visitor comes and comes in and cries and walks out and don't pray, that's not the time to feel bad about it. Just say, thank God they came. Just pray for them some more. I know they ain't saved. I know they ain't talked in tongues. But bless your heart, they didn't have to come, but they came. Come on now. Get happy about every little thing that God has done for you in your church and done for you and your family. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? I look around. I used to, and my dad used to do this. He'd just say, 
Man, and, he, and he'd say that. And you know, every time you call revival, everybody gets the virus. Did that happen to you? Yeah. We get in there. I had a revival. Brother and Sister Rice Singer came and preached for me. And that's when that, that uh, swine, was it swine flu? H1, is that swine flu? Swine flu came in the, one of the first nights of revival. We had 46 out with swine flu. The next night, those were healed up and they came back and there were 39 more on the next night that were gone. Brother, it pretty much devastates. So what difference does that make? Brother, you got to know what difference is between swine flu and the bird flu. Because you got the bird flu, they give you treatment. You get the swine flu, they give you ointment. Yeah. Oh God. Oh God. Every time you call a revival, the sickness, it starts parading itself. And the devil sticks up his head. But brother, every time you have a good service, thank God for it. So, well, we only had one to get baptized. Thank God. It's better than nothing. Say, well, my husband's coming, but he hasn't gone to the altar. I don't know if he's going to be saved. Shut your mouth and start praising God and say, thank God, at least he's coming. At least he loves the preacher. At least God's got his fingers in his soul. Praise God. I told somebody the other day, whenever I went to Wheelersburg 21 years ago, I just knew in five years, you know, I read uh, Brother So-and-so, I leave the name out, on Let My People Grow. Woo, man. So we're going we gonna to have this auditorium filled up in five years. I was already sketching out plans for the new building because they're going to need it, you know, because when you do all this CCC, and I'm not against that, okay? I'm not against it. But after five years, still had empty pews. And here after 21 and a half years, I still got a few empty pews. And I thought, dear God, I don't don't have much to show. So you know what I thought I'd do? Look over at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. Said, you know what? You know, I don't have, I'm not running 500. But I got 200. I just go ahead and have party. Because it could already be down to 30. But thank God I got 200. I want 500, but I got 200. That's 200 the devil ain't taking to hell. That's 200 that ain't on drugs anymore. That's 200 that ain't living in fornication anymore. So you know what it's time to do? Get me a little honey and have a little party. Some of you theologians back there are thinking I'm just stupid and silly. That's fine. But there's some other folks around here that the devil's been shoving your nose down in the dirt telling you, you failed God. You're not what you ought to be. But thank God you're in the camp tonight. Thank God you're talking in tongues. It's time for some of you to have a party. Matter of fact, I brought a few. 
Anybody want to have some party? Now, some of these for the girls. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I wanted them to be generic and put this old crazy thing on there, but I'm telling you, I wish it would go wing. Hallelujah. So, devil, you thought that a few years ago that you had me down. And I slipped up and I made some bad mistakes, but I came back and prayed back through. I'm back up on my feet tonight praising God. No, I don't like the mistakes and I'm embarrassed. But thank God I'm in the church. Thank God I'm on my way to heaven. Thank God I still got victory. So I'm going to have a party at the camp meeting 2010. Yay! Hey, those of you wearing them hats, you ain't going to party. Give it to somebody. Somebody wants to party tonight. Come on. Give God some glory. And let hell know I'm still in the fight. I'm still got me some victory. It only may be a half acre, but it's more than I had last year. my hat broke hallelujah hallelujah so you got a bad car it's better than a bike at least you didn't have to walk to church so your job ain't paying you 50 bucks an hour at least you got a job so you're not living over in Rio Linda or some other nice place. At least you got a house. But thank God you got a church. And you got a preacher. And you got a God. Have a party. Have a party. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every time you haven't, this is my point, and I'm going to close this thing down. This is my point. I'm going to let you go ahead and have good church tonight and go ahead and have a party. And I'm not going to rain on the parade. Matter of fact, I feel like dancing with some of you because the devil has tried to put lies in my mind. He's tried to tell me all kinds of things. But thank God I'm in California in June 2010 and I'm still preaching the truth. I'm still talking in tongues. I still love holiness. I still love the ministry. I still love living for God. I may have fell down, but I got back up. So every time you got a small victory, go ahead and shout about it. Every time you get just a small incremental victory, go ahead and rejoice about it. It may not be very big, but go ahead and shout on it anyhow. Because one half acre leads to another half acre, leads to another half acre, leads to another half acre, until finally you've got what you need from God. Well, I would not be denied 
I would not be denied Until Jesus came and made me whole I would not be denied Oh, I would not be denied Oh, I would not be Would not be denied Oh, till Jesus came and made me whole 